Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. All right. I hope you are getting some play, some summer play in the way that works for you. My summer play is I love, love, love talking with people. I love it. And I love connecting with people. And now that we are in this COVID situation, you know, the ways that we've all done in the past are very different. So some of my ways are with a mask on in a parking lot for the aqua monsters talking to people or on the phone. I don't tend to spend a whole lot of time on the phone because I'm on the phone so much with my clients. But the big way that I have been playing and connecting with people this summer is by doing interviews and having conversations with people that I respect and who I can have these conversations where we can rumble and we can discuss stuff and think about things. And I am so excited to bring with you my friend, Laura Boyd. She has 25 years of working with organizations to help develop sustainable growth. And she works with large executive teams for companies and emerging leaders. And she believes that leadership is the ultimate delta for change strategy and growth in an organization. So in today's show, Laura and I talk about how we get out of this. Like that was the question she was rumbling with. How do we get out of this, this current economy, what's happening to businesses? How do we do this with our families? And one of the things that you know from the show is our personal lives and our professional lives are intertwined and maybe more so now than ever for some people, because we are all home together, most of us at least, but also the things that happen at home can be weighing us down when we go into work or even if when we turn on the Zoom camera. And I know this with the work that I do with my clients. So in my conversation with Laura, we talk about this. We talk about our families. We talk about what we see with leaders in the business world. We talk about, you know, parenting from guilt, leading with guilt and the difficulties. And there's so much beauty in the rumble and the discussion. And my hope for you is you get some insights and some light bulbs or some like, oh, here's really the mess behind the scenes. And maybe you feel better because of that. It's the common humanity. Like you're not the only one. Or maybe we share something and you're like, oh, I'm going to take that. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to apply to my own life. You have at it. That is my intention. Sometimes I hear, like I'll listen to an interview and I'll hear somebody use a phrase or a word. I'm like, ooh, I love that. That's the word. That's the phrase I've been looking for. And I'm going to start to use it. That's what the show is about. It's not to give you a six-step formula for you to go and do and rinse and repeat and become a machine because we're not machines. It's a place for you to get nuggets for you to have windows of possibility and to be able to see what is possible for you. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Laura as we talk about how we get out of this. And it's again, not a six-step process. Laura, hello and welcome to my show. Thanks, Corinne. How are you? I'm excited. I'm probably better than you. I'm really excited to have you here. <laughs> Why are you better than me? Because I don't think you're excited to be here. <laughs> I don't, it's, 
not that I'm not excited. I'm more nervous than excited. How about that? That's totally perfect to me. And it's not funny that I use that word perfect. All right. Well, here we go. So we're going to talk about right now we're in the summer of 2020. It's been an interesting year. And we're going to talk about how do we get out of this? How do we get out of this period of time? And meaning like, you know, we're in the middle of COVID and what that means. You're in a different part of the country than I am. You're in Minnesota. I'm in California. So we have very different viewpoints about what's happening. We wanted to talk about in the business world, what's happening in there because we both deal with a lot of stuff on leadership. When you ask that question to yourself, how are we going to get out of this? What comes up for you? Well, it's interesting. Moreover, I think about it from how are we going to get out of this from an economic standpoint? So all of the unemployment that's, they just talked about that this week, right? They're trying to figure out when does the stimulus stop? And, and we've got so many people that are still unemployed, but yet now we can't give them money. And how did we give them money in the first place? Because I mean, there's like all these things. And I think the best thing, Corinne, is when I asked you that, you said to me, is that your responsibility? And it's so funny. I'm like, no. And yes, I just get nervous for businesses and for just people in general. These are such big problems, right? When we talk about unemployment, what's happening, like, and I don't understand the math of how, again, all the different funding that went on in spring of 2020. I'm not an economist. This is not what I do. But what is your part in how we get out of this? Well, I think part of my responsibility is to help others look at themselves differently when they get into their own organizations. But I also feel this opportunity where my business is a little bit down, so I might have some more downtime. How could I help some people that don't have what I have? You know, just in terms of maybe education or money or lunch for that matter, you know, things like that, I guess. But it's interesting because I did hear today, but I have heard clients in the past too talk about unemployment, how it's impacting their business just in general, because they can't find people because unemployment is also enticing too. And they've got family home and just different situations. So I was talking to a CEO of a financial institution today and talking about how the credit cards have said that with the extra unemployment, people are indeed paying off their debt, which is awesome. But then the challenge is then commerce isn't necessarily happening because the commerce has already happened if you're in debt, but they are taking that money and they're noticing a, a higher percentage. I think this was on NPR, I guess, this week, but they're noticing a higher percentage of people paying off their debt with it, which is great. So I think my role in this is just to be me and what I control is me. And how are you doing that? <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing it very well. <laughs> oh, come on now. I think just for me, I'm pivoting, you know, mm-hmm. going from being face to face with clients and now doing a lot virtually, which everybody's doing. And that was a huge shift. Not connecting necessarily with teams and again, having that online. So just having to be more creative in my business, but really helping people that are struggling with their own mindset. And isn't that the truth? Like people need help right now. Yes. Don't you think when you see people out there and you're like, wow, they have it all put together. (laughs) And I'm so envious. I'm like, they do. One of my neighbors said to me, this is when my kids were little. And it's just so true. And I think about it often because you just struggle when the kids are little and they're not sleeping and you're just at your wits end. And 
she told me, if you pull the rooftops off of all the houses in our neighborhood, you would be hearing the same conversations, probably. And you just think that you're like a terrible parent or you're bad at something, you know. But she basically said everybody's in the same boat. But I actually think with COVID, I think we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I talked Mm -hmm. about that. And even the storms are different via location, right? Geographically, the storms are different. Right now, California is such a hotbed with the numbers of COVID and, and what's happening. But we all have different boats and different circumstances, but we have the storm. And depending on where it's hitting us in that moment, it's affecting us maybe a bit differently. And also within our own resilience, our own privilege, how we may have prepared for the storm can be very different for each of us. And there's also this connected global pandemic that we're all a part of throughout the world. Right. So there is a little bit of connectivity. So I think that's where people come in and they give grace. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of grace going on. Oh, really? Then you maybe you do live in a different part. Of the <laughs> well, I, I tend to think I do, but then I don't. So I, I don't know. my clients get on they're like what is happening to people in the world i go this is what happens when you're in fear and shame and anxiety on a daily basis the best of people aren't showing up especially when they don't have the tools and they don't know how to self-regulate and how to manage their emotions and how to manage their mindset that's the offshoot is you have all this kind of chaos and drama where people's not their best behavior shows up so i appreciate the fact that right now in your world there's so many people with grace out there. I do. I think in my region in particular has, I think we've kind of taken a step back to look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's allowed us to have grace is kind of what I'm seeing from people that are, I'm surrounded by. And so it might be just people that I surround myself with too, because I have to give myself a lot of grace during this time too, in my own headspace. So I probably surround myself with people that do that too. I think that's a really good point, Laura, because you tend to look for that like silver lining that, you know, the best in others. And so I wonder if that also allows you to see so much of the best in so many other people, right? Where you can say, hey, look, there's so many people here. We're trying to find grace. Yeah. And I actually call that out on people too. Because if I don't see it, then I will call it out. Like we need to give grace not only to each other, but to ourselves, which I mean, I know you're laughing inside, Corinne, because you're thinking that's not really a strong point of yours, Laura, but just keep talking. Let everybody think that that's the case. (laughs) We all have work to do, right? We all have work to do. I'm much more compassionate now than I was 10 years ago. And had you been in my house, you know, 20 minutes ago, there wasn't a whole lot of compassion in my house because (laughs) I got a little fed up about something. So... (laughs) The grace was not there necessarily. There was not grace. There was not patience and there was not compassion at all. (laughs) So, and I think that's the reality that you're talking about earlier of, you know, some people look like they have it all together. Right. And the one thing that I've been determined is like, here are the shit shows, right? Like I can lead and you may have these stories about me and I will say not in July, it's been a, probably a few months but that I would really like embrace this mantra of mine that I've had for a number of years of I live an amazing life and there's shit shows everywhere. Like right now in the middle of the summer, I'm not thinking it's an amazing life and it's okay. Like I can be okay with that because I know that there's going to be better times in the forward. I don't have to 
I'm not holding on to it. I'm not attaching to it, but I just, I know that there's going to be good times. I'm hopeful. Whereas 10 years ago, I wasn't so hopeful. I had lost hope. And so now in 2020, I am much more hopeful that there's going to be good times. So when, when you asked that question earlier today of how do we get out of this, what I've gotten really clear about is not having to know the actual plan of how to get out of it. I just know that on the other side of it, we're going to rise back up and we're going to rise up during the process of getting through it, but that we're resilient as a species that we will get through it. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. And that I think is my own personal growth of not having to be attached on how it's supposed to happen, how it's supposed to be and what it's going to be look like. I just have confidence that we will be vibrant and strong, say in 10 years, right? You know, and again, that's, myself, the people I'm connected with as an economy, as an American society. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy to do, but that's my way through that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think you have to have that hope. Otherwise, what do you get up in the morning? Well, and that's the hard part. I think for some people, they are losing hope, right? It's like you can get really sucked into the doomsday and the numbers and will schools open? Will they not? What's going to happen in politics? You know, and there's also some really interesting things like about the economy is I know there's some businesses. I mean, I have a client right now who works for a major corporation. Their business has totally pivoted. Their sales online are crazy, right? And they're making so much money. So maybe they're not making money in the bricks and mortar stores because people aren't going, but their sales are crazy. I have another client who works for a major international business, which is a bricks and mortar, and they're weekday sales are more than their weekend sales used to be. The sales are crazy. So yes, there's unemployment. Yes, there's hardship. Yes, there are people spending money. There's all of it in between that that's going on. And again, I'm not an economist, right? So a lot of this stuff, I kind of go, wow, there's a lot of data. And the same thing with like we were talking earlier about COVID, right? California is like on fire with COVID. I mean, I guess this week is better than a couple weeks ago. And I'm not saying that COVID is conspiracy theory because I'm not at all. Like my family's very diligent about following our COVID practices. And right now, as far as I know, I know of one person that had really minor symptoms, you know, county in the community that I live in. So I'm very vigilant. Like I wear a mask. I don't socialize. I don't go to the grocery store. We have one person going. We've been very limited on what we do and been very deliberate about the activities we partake in. And that's the one person. So, but I'm not saying it's not real. It's just for whatever reason. And, and I guess in this case, I get to be in a bubble. So I don't know how we're going to get through it. And I don't know, you know, even how the fall is going to unveil. Like I have two kids. I have a freshman in university and a daughter who's going to be a junior. And we're still trying to navigate the whole living situation. You know, if you asked me a week ago, the, there was a hard no. They're both living at home. And my youngest has somehow been able to work out a deal where I think I may be saying yes by tomorrow that she can go and live with some other teammates and they're going to form a bubble. And we're actually negotiating where they would be a part bubble and we would be part of that bubble so that they can come home and, and eat. And we're fortunate because it's all in the same town. But if you asked me a week ago, it was a hard no. I mean, I was absolutely man, you know, she is not moving out. I'll give you the money so that you can have it as a travel fund once you're done with college, but you're not moving out. And to where somehow she's gotten me. She's been very good at getting me to closer to yes. So I guess when I think of how are we going to get through this, 
I don't know how, I don't know what the steps are, but I do believe we're going to get through it to the other side. We're going to have, I have hope that we are smart, we are resilient, and we're going to figure it out because we've been through, you know, Laura, you're on my generation, haven't been through a lot, but as a species, our humans have been through huge tragedies, huge difficulties, and been able to rise again. And I would agree with that 100%. I mean, I think if you look at the your kids, and then I have a son also that's hopefully mm-hmm. going to the university. But when you think of all the things we've said about this generation that's coming behind us, if we ever again say that they're a soft generation, I think we need to think again. Mm-hmm. Because this is a generation, I mean, you think of these kids, they were our 9-11 babies. Oh, that's and then, right. Right? And then now they have so much loss you know, in their senior year in high school, mm-hmm. which isn't that big of a deal, but it is mm-hmm. in, in our country because it is such a pinnacle point in their life to say, you can go here, you can go here, you can go here. I mean, this is, you're almost required to stay in school until senior year. I don't even know if that's true. I mean, I said almost, cause I don't even know if that's true. It is a huge loss because I think at the first, at the start of COVID, like in March, my daughter was going to go to Florida for this junior national meet, which was a big deal for her. It was a big stepping stone for her to earn that trip. And it was a huge pivot point. And then all of a sudden to lose that, right? And I could say, well, really, this is first world problems, right? Right. And, and I did even say like at one point, and then she had, you know, high school sections and then the state meet. And I looked at her at one point and I said, really, if that's the worst that happens to us, we're doing pretty good. Like I was not compassionate or empathetic, right? It was kind of like, come on, this isn't that big of a deal. And I've been a swimmer and I understand when you're 18 years old and it's your senior year and it's your moment to rise and you've done all this hard work, it would be devastating. But because my world has expanded as a middle-aged person, I was diminishing her potential losses. And I had to learn real quickly, even though I'm not a trauma expert, that one of the things that I learned during COVID is your loss is the most significant loss. So like her losses over the senior year, your son's losses over the senior year are their losses. It's what they know, right? They don't have the perspective that you and I do of like, oh, well, you know, senior ball really wasn't all that great. Or my perspective (laughs) of really living in the dorms, you're not really missing out on much, right? They don't know what it is except all the hype of what it was supposed to be. And then the loss of that. So that's all that they know. So I've had to really work on giving her the space of saying, your loss is significant. This is your difficulty. This is your trauma. And giving her that space to allow that to happen without, and this has been huge, without me going into parental guilt to try to make that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me more about that, Corinne. This, are you saying parental guilt to her or mm-hmm. to just internally for you? Well, I've seen, and you, maybe you've seen this a lot. I've seen a lot of the graduating seniors where parents had guilt. And so it was like, oh, well, they've had all these losses. So we're going to avoid these COVID protocols or, you know, my kid is entitled to go off and do this. And there's, I've called it the summer of entitlement. And again, even like when we were going back and forth about the dorm, I was a hard no, absolute hard no about the dorm. I just, I couldn't figure it out. And I thought, you know, what if I said yes to the dorm out of guilt of, oh, this is your deserved experience and you've lost it. You've lost so many already. So let me say yes to this, even though for me on the inside, it's a hard no, but I would be doing that out of parental guilt instead of 
What is science showing? Who are the people that I can talk to that can give me information? And what is the best decision? And the university fortunately helped me make this decision because the university never changes deadlines, never. And they've changed it three times. So I can see that they're struggling with what's safe, what's not safe, and they haven't come up with an answer, right? So they've continued to extend the deadlines. And they're also waiting in California, our governor to make a mandate, right? Because it's so much nicer. And I know this as a leader myself, I just want somebody else to make the decision because I'm making decisions and I'm not a doctor, right? So like when I think about the aqua monsters, I've had to make decisions and I'm not a doctor and I'm trying to figure out how do we run these protocols with the most recent information, you know, and understanding that there's going to be disappointment for some of the kids possibly involved, right? So I get what the university's doing, but that's what I meant about the guilt of I've watched so many of her peers' friends say yes to things that they wouldn't say yes to because they feel that their kids have had so much loss. We have done none of that in our house. <laughs> so I, now I'm feeling guilty that I didn't have the parental guilt. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I want to clarify with the listeners, because I say this all the time and Laura's heard me say this, guilt means I did something bad right? And one is none of us brought this pandemic on. This is the experience that my daughter's gone through. And going back to this original question of today's show of how do we get out of this? Probably, I don't know, six weeks or eight weeks ago, I had this realization, Laura, that again, both my daughters are collegiate athletes. And obviously athletics is really important to us. And I, ha- it's, it's kind of like the rite of passage. I never thought my kids, I never dreamed that my kids would be college athletes. I didn't attach to it. It wasn't something that I expected of them. And I never, if you had said when they were, you know, two and three, would they be loving swimming? I wouldn't have known, right? It was my love, but I didn't know it'd be theirs. And so, you know, here they love it. And I've realized that we really don't know what the next four years are going to look like. I mean, people talk about a year or, you know, let's just get to 2021, but we don't know how long this is going to go on. And so one of the things I found myself doing was again, with this, how we get out of this is this grief of, I know my kids will graduate. I know they'll graduate from college. I hope that they can get some sort of swimming in like they're doing right now. They're able to train. They haven't been able to do any meets, but even just getting some swimming in, it's less than what, how they've ever trained in the summer in their life. And so I had to grieve this, oh, well, you go to conference and you travel and you get on planes and you race and then you get best times and you contribute to your team and you go to conference and you go to the Twice. All of that stuff I've had to let go of because I don't know those details and if that will be a reality. And instead I've had to go, I know that they're going to be on the other side. They're going to be strong, vibrant women. And part of... I think what will make them that is this going through COVID and how that looks. And even with my youngest, like with Elle, with this whole getting an apartment and getting out of the dorms and figuring out how to navigate the politics of her parents who were very polar opposite on where we thought she should live and her being able to figure it out and getting these no's overturned to yeses and figuring out, coming up with solutions to problems, right? That were out there like, she did really fantastically. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And again, like I said, had you asked me, even Monday, I always said, I'm a hard no. As we sit here today on a Thursday, I'm like, okay, I think we're going to be saying yes tomorrow. Right? There are a few more details that have to be ironed out, but we're closer to yes. So to have a child who's 18, going to be going off to college, to be able to overcome like that, 
that's for me of, okay, yes, she will get through school, whatever it looks like. She'll be able to overcome stuff and she'll be resilient to handle what happens in life. Because as you and I both know, there's a lot of obstacles that we come across as we get older. Right. I agree with that. And I think the other part of that is, is how they're showing up too, because I think they could take this and they could then play into that parental guilt that you shared earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think that because I've seen some of those seniors too, or graduates rather, kind of convince their parents that I've lost so much and kind of going into that side of it. And it's really interesting because I think the ones that have just said it is what it is, which is really emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And to have that at 18, kind of mm-hmm. that worldview of it mm-hmm. is impressive. Yes, absolutely. So now I always think that what happens in the home, oh, we also see it in the workplace, right? Because they're also intertwined. And so my work with leaders is both, you know, their personal and their professional lives. And and you work so much inside of organizations. Do you see this kind of guilt within the leadership with employees? Oh, it breaks my heart because it breaks their heart. So these are my clients, right? The CEOs. I've seen CEOs of thousand employee organizations. So not small organizations, I've seen that happen too, but large organizations break down in tears on calls because they are so emotionally connected to the legacy of the organization, to the people that make up the organization. And then they think, well, why I'm not leading? So the boards come into them saying, well, you're not showing confidence in your leadership. And I'm thinking, who else has led through a pandemic, (laughs) right? I mean, tell me who, unless you were part of the Spanish flu or whatever. I don't know who has led in our world today through a pandemic. So it's been really interesting. I think once you bring that to their attention, they're like, you're right. And that's where the grace comes in. I mean, it kind of comes full circle. But these CEOs are so downtrodden about the people. So are they taking on too much responsibility for what is going on? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I ask them, did you cause this? Which is so funny because I can hear you in my ear saying that to me. <laughs> so I'm like, grin, get off, get off my shoulder. <laughs> but it's true. Like, did you cause this? If you mm-hmm. did, holy cow, we're, we got a whole nother situation going. But it's just, it's interesting because people just have so much empathy for others. And that's a strong leader to have empathy, right? Yeah, but it's also really important. It is. It's a strong leader to have empathy and to have perspective and to recognize the emotions. But one of the things that I constantly am checking in with myself are those boundaries, right? Because compassion has boundaries. So I'm constantly like, okay, what's my part in this? What's not my part? Do I have capacity in this? Do I not? For instance, with the reopening of the Aqua Monsters, you know, I felt when, you know, we worked with the county about coming up with, you know, a protocol to be able to reopen. We kept looking at the data. We talked with people that were, you know, in infectious disease and we looked at the CDC and it was like, okay, this seems to be a way that we can get kids to move to help take off the stress and create relief. And, you know, again, this is what we're doing with May. And I had a totally different perspective. I thought, shoot, by the time we hit July, the numbers are going to be so much better. We're going to get back to more of quote normal, which hasn't been the case. But what we've been able to do is provide something within the guidelines. It's not what we once had, 
but the kids are so appreciative and the parents are so appreciative to be able to have something to move and to feel better and to at least see friends, even if that means they're coming into the pool deck with masks on and having to leave masks on and they're in their own lane. And, you know, there's been a lot of obstacles, but it's been pretty phenomenal. But when we were going about doing this and I was advocating, you know, I said, look, there's so many different issues in my town, in my town's a privileged town, but in my town that I don't have the skill set. I can't help solve those problems. But here's a group of people that I have the skill set to help solve this problem. So let me take them off the city's, you know, issues to contend with. And you can use those resources for the other groups of people, other citizens that need help. And let me help this body of people within my community. And I think that's part of what's really important with this guilt of like, one is we have to check in, did I do something bad? And then two is what are our boundaries? What do we have the capacity to help? What do we have the skill sets to help? And what do we not have the skill sets to help? And I told parents all summer, I said, you know, if we were a different sport, like a contact sport, I wouldn't have wanted to open up, right? Like, I mean, one of the concerns that I had even as an employer is what's the ramifications to the staff? You know, what happens if I don't want to put people in harm's way? So that's always been in my head. But it's that boundary piece. What is really my responsibility and what is also my capacity or capability, right? So I guess there's three parts. Responsibility, what capacity do I have? And what are the skills that I have that can help? Instead of thinking I need to go solve the homeless crisis, I think that's an important issue to resolve. I don't know anything about the homeless crisis, right? Like I, I know, I mean, I know a little bit, but that's not where my expertise lies. So I can't tell myself, well, Corinne, seriously, you're not doing important work. You're not helping these people because that's not within the skill sets that I have. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or the capacity, your brain juice a little bit. Like yeah. How much more can you put in there? Not much. It's pretty tapped. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it can be extended, but I think that's the best part about how we are as humans is that we all have different gifts and different skill sets and passions. So somebody else will take on the homeless piece, right? And mm-hmm. and move that forward. And then if your capacity ever opens up, that might be something that you then can help with. Mm-hmm. But for now, it's about, you know, raising these young kids with your aqua monsters and, and helping them to be strong and to be resilient and all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you're a business leader, you're a community member is really checking in to say like, okay, how are we going to get through out of this? We don't know the hows. We just know that where the direction that we want to go is we want to be still standing on the other side of the pandemic. Right. And we want to be healthy on the other side of the pandemic and we want to be able to have resources that, you know, we can continue to take care of ourselves. So those are like really good driving points. And then I think a lot of it has also been, you know, okay, what do I need to do today? What do I have capacity for today? What do I need to do today? What doesn't have to be done today? And I ask myself that a lot because I mean, my list, and I'm sure yours is the same way, is ridiculous of all the things I quote should be doing. And I have to go back in and say, what do I have the capacity? Does this really have to get done today or can I schedule it for a different day? And I actually use the word should, which I know is a shame word, but it is about looking at, okay, what must I do today? What should I do today? I wonder what other word I could use there. And then what may I do today? 
Do you ever ask yourself, what do I want to do today? No. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought of that. No, I, I, especially when I get heads down like this, I guess I don't. I think like if we can, and and I'm not good at that either. I mean, you know, how, what's my form of play to do interviews, right? So I work a lot and we all know that the aqua monsters are a huge passion project for me where it takes up a lot of space and consumes a lot of my mental energy. And it's really important work that I do outside of my main job. So the play thing, you know, I love to have conversations. I love, love talking with people. And I used to, I don't know if I ever told you this, Laura, I used to have so much shame about loving to talk with people because it was like, seriously, that's all you want to do is just talk. With people. I love talking with people. Love it. Probably why I love doing the show for so long. Cause I do, I love, I love having conversations that are intellectually stimulating. You know, I know when we leave, I'm going to be thinking and it's going to get my mind going. And that's great because it just create ideas and foster what it was that I believe. And where do I want to keep focusing on? And it helps me with that hope that you were talking about earlier. It helps give me hope to keep moving forward. I think it also gives you a little bit of normalcy too, because I think that's kind of when we started talking today, I'm like, my biggest thing I miss is just intellectual conversations that aren't Mm -hmm. necessarily around politics or COVID or, Mm -hmm. but just business. Like let's Mm -hmm. just talk business sense or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think everybody's just living in this fear that it, it tends to come back always to COVID and judging. And it's just, it's exhausting. Say more about the COVID and judging. Well, I think here's a great example of it. So we have big graduation parties for our graduates graduating from high school. And so everybody was trying to decide if they should have a graduation party or not. So, and then you start judging, well, if you're having a graduation party, you must not care about people. And then it's the kids, like my son said, I don't want to be the one that has a graduation party. And people say, well, I got it from his graduation party. Cause he's like, I don't want that on, that's a lot of responsibility for an 18 year old. So it has been happening, right? These graduation parties. And then the host or hostess ends up being tested positive for COVID. Now he or she has hugged how many people that came to his or her graduation party. And then whoever went to that graduation party starts judging that they even put the graduation party on, that they felt obligated to go. I mean, it's just this chain of guilt. And then you've got this 18-year-old who feels like now they may have given COVID to people that attended their party. Mm -hmm. I think people are trying to figure out, okay, where did that come from? Where do you think they went? Who were they talking to? And that's where the judging comes in, I think. Okay. And it's so unfortunate. What I found with COVID here, you don't want to talk about COVID. We keep going back to it. But what I have found about COVID is that it is not clear, right? We don't know what is okay and what is not okay. It is not clear. And so the rules are really blurry. And then it depends on how everybody decides to interpret the rules. And so what I've had to do as a leader is get really, really clear of what is okay and what is not okay. And then this is the other problem that a lot of workplace organizations are having is while you may do everything that you're supposed to in protocol in the workplace, you can't control what's happening outside of the workplace. So I had to have those hard conversations. And let me tell you, that's not fun. 
because that's kind of like a big rule, right? You don't talk about what employees do outside of the workplace. Did you have to dictate what they were going to do outside of the workplace? Or you just, (laughs) I'm I'm curious. (laughs) I probably broke employment law. I had to explain, like I started pulling up just in our area, you know, how businesses were all of a sudden being showcased on social media of, oh, they had an included employee. Right. And, you know, and so that was being done. And I had to say like, Hey, look again, cause it's not clear if you get COVID and a COVID employee, does that mean the County's going to shut you down? Right. And so right. there's so much that's not clear, like on the business side. And then you go to the personal side, like you're talking about, that's where the judgment comes in. Cause it's a way for us to armor up of how do I try to stay safe in this thing that we don't know about? Because you're right. We're in a first time we're in a global pandemic first time that we have a global pandemic, a social media situation, and a huge political debate, you know, all wrapped up into one. And so we're in this new sphere that none of us have been a part of because we weren't here a hundred years ago when there was the pandemic. So those are the things of like, I just try to be clear and I acknowledge, I guess, what I normally would do and how we're in very unusual times. And so I would just have discussions. I did a lot of rumbling, I guess, as you asked me this question, I've been trying to figure out how to process it. We did a lot of rumbling as a staff of talking about stuff, asking questions to walk me through it. What does this look like? Help me understand. And it's not fun. It, people don't really like it. And then my employees, my staff has been great about understanding because we're all in this common good of we want to stay open. And we realize that there aren't set rules and they're changing, right? And another example of that too is like the PPP, the fund. I was talking to another small business owner and he's like, since when does somebody ever take out a loan where you're signing paperwork and you're getting this money, but you don't really know what the rules are and they're constantly changing. He's like, that's what me as a small business owner has to figure out, you know, like he took the money because he needed to be able to pay his staff. He was shut down for like two or three months, reopened. He was a chiropractor, reopened and needed to reopen and was very constrained on what he could have and not have. And he's like, this is not normal business practices. And it's not. So like when you ask again, that question of how we get out of this, I think what you said earlier, we need grace. We need to check in and take it day by day and trust ourselves that we're not quite sure how the path is going to be out, but we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it goes back to what you said. We're smart. I believe humans are smart, different capacities, but, and we've got a lot of unbelievably smart people working on that vaccine too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't <laughs> thank, know how to do that. <laughs> thank God. Cause I would not want to be doing that. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like, what? How would they even figure this out? But the, here's the coolest part. I think about it is they're coming up with solutions for other things that are not even COVID related that they're finding. It's so cool. And I can't think of, oh, I just heard somebody talking about this the other day. I want to say it was something cancer related, but they realized that whatever came out of, you know, some of these first trials actually ended up helping something in in the cancer area. So again, this is sounding super unintelligent, but there is so much, we talk so much about loss from COVID, but there's so much to be gained from it. And that's the other side that we forget about a lot because the loss feels so heavy. I always tell my clients, I'm like, just be thankful you don't live in my household. Cause I'm always like, is that self-awareness? Are you checking in with yourself? I mean, <laughs> so I put up this, this grateful board. I'm like, 
I am grateful for. And it was funny because at first it was just my handwriting. Clearly you could see I'm like writing all these things, but the kids started writing stuff on there. I don't know if they were just trying to appease me, but I mean, it's stuff like that, that if you continue to find some of those gains, that'll stick. I mean, we've had to push ourselves to be technologically savvy. We've got more people across the world that people can connect to, like in their 70s, you know, maybe it's the first time they're doing FaceTime. There's so much that I think that we've gained from family time. There was a huge research study and, you know, everybody said they the thing they appreciate is family time. And then, of course, text some people are like, the thing I don't appreciate is family time. But those are different stories. But I think that's just such a great gift that we've all had. I mean, everybody was walking outside this spring. Mm-hmm. You saw yeah. families walking together. In my um, almost 50 years of life, I've not seen that. Did your family, do you feel like your kids were able to recalibrate to the fastness of, you know, we had this fast life pre-COVID to this much slower life. Did you notice them recalibrating a bit? Yes. And they had to. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it was, I think one handled it better than the other. I think one was able to recalibrate. The other one was like, I'm just going to sleep through this. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) it seems like a strategy, not a good one. So. But now she has come around and, you know, realizes that where the other one's a little bit, he's older and his worldview is a little bit bigger. But if I'm being honest, I have to recalibrate. I mean, I get up at 4.30 every morning, go to the gym and I wait till everybody's home at night, 11 o'clock or whatever. I mean, I get no sleep. And then when COVID hit, I was like, wow, I would like go back to sleep at 4.30 because I didn't have to go to the gym. It wasn't even open. So I could work out whenever I wanted. Mm-hmm. you definitely had to slow down. And maybe that's what this was all about. And that's what I wonder, right? Like if I wonder if some of this is kind of like <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to believe the universe, the world, whatever, but a way of saying, okay, this has been out of hand. This hamster wheel that you all have been on has been ridiculous. We've been trying to get you to pay attention. So here's what we're going to do right? We're going to do this so that everybody just slows down and sees that, hey, you can be okay. You can figure a way through it. And now I say that, and that's a really privileged conversation topic, right? Because there are people that have had huge harm because of this global pandemic. And I understand that. It's not a one size fits all solution. And that's not what you are talking about. There's many different perspectives. And I've worked, you know, 2020 has been in Intense. I have worked so much and I think it was easy to go back to my old ways of overworking. And I remember when the pandemic first happened, I was telling somebody, I'm like, oh, I'm built for this, like chaos, turbulence. Like I got this. I just know how to overfunction so well and I'm really tired. Right. So I need to really go back and go, it's time to re- for me to recalibrate and go, okay, what's really important and what am I getting attached to that I can step away from. That's not necessary. And those are really, I think, brave and hard questions to ask ourselves. I would agree because I think it's starting to come back, right? You're starting to see that shift where you had the two to three months where you had a little bit more downtime. So you could be in chaos and then you could kind of, you know, rejuvenate and and re-energize. But now it's like, we're getting on this hamster wheel again and we're starting to put our foot in the water. But Mm -hmm. yet, we still have all these emotions mm-hmm. that are tied to it when it's so draining. 
Mm-hmm. And so we're forgetting we still need to take a step back and rejuvenate and re-energize mm-hmm. and create mm-hmm. those boundaries. I totally agree. And it goes back to that like question of, well, what do I want to do today? What, there's the, what do I have to do? What are the things I need to get done? What am I responsible for? And really asking ourselves, what do I want? And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I need to, I mean, in my life, it's not even like getting my haircuts, like for me, not an option. I've made a decision not to do that. So it's not even about that, but what do I want? And sometimes it's like, I just want to lay here and not rush. Or last Thursday, it was, I'm going to have a cup of coffee and talk with my daughter for the next 15 minutes. Like for me, that's a huge luxury right now. Or last night I got home at, oh gosh, like 10, 15 at night. It was so late and I was so tired and it was, I was sweaty and hot and I just wanted to take a shower. And, you know, we're talking about my daughter and her housing situation. And then the next thing I know, I'm like laying on the carpet. She's laying on the carpet. We're just talking. And a part of me is like, this is so unproductive. It's late. You need to get to bed. You're tired. And I'm like, be here. She may not be here in 25 days. Be here right now. Right. So that's when I'm talking about what do I want? Like I want connection with my daughter who may be moving out in 25 days. And that may be, I mean, she's 18, soon to be 19. Like who knows like if she's coming back after that. Right. So I'm not talking about like, Oh, what do I want? I want to go on this, you know, right now I'm looking at my picture from Australia, seven mile beach where I'm there with my family. It's overlooking the ocean. It's beautiful. Like, yeah, I would love to be in Australia, but that's not a reality. Right. So I'm not going to even ask myself that question. A lot of what I want are the small moments and where I can take a breath, where I can be here right now. That's what I want at least. What about you? What do you want? I think what I I do want time with the kids. Unfortunately for them, I'm like all over them. (laughs) So I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing now? They're like, oh my gosh, mom, seriously. I really like that. I think the other thing that I just, I want to hug people. Mm. (laughs) I don't know, but I can't, right? That's kind of your Australia thing. So again, my kids get the wrath of that and my husband, but that's what I want to do. I want to have these kinds of conversations. I want to just have a conversation that's just fun and and different and enlightening. I would check this off as one of the things I'd want to do. So I appreciate you letting me do this today. Yay. Well, thanks for doing this with me. And these are like the pivots, right? Like, cause yeah, touch is so important. Mm-hmm. We can't do that right now. Right. And too bad you don't live in Davis because on Sundays sometimes I'll be like, okay, you guys, let's watch a show or let's just veg out. My kids are like, um, mom, we have our own shows we're going to watch. Right. You can join us, but we're not watching what you want to watch. I'm like, oh, you know, or when I finally sit down with them, they're like, okay, we're leaving. We're going to our room. I'm like, oh, so oh my I gosh. I'm so glad you said that because I asked my daughter, she was watching some show and I go, what's this? And she said, kissing booth two or something like that. I'm like, well, did you watch one? I'll watch one with you. And she's like, mom, this is for high school kids. I go, hey, I can pretend I'm in high school. I mean, I'm like trying anything. <laughs> I will watch Kissing Booth with you. Come on. So <laughs> that's what I want to do. I just, I just want to appreciate those times. And I mean, I think we're going to look back a year from now and things are going to be very different. I, and I believe that to be true, but I think we're going to forget that we appreciate these times that we have with the kids because their lives have slowed down and ours have slowed down a little bit too. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have anybody at home, maybe. 
Maybe. Yeah. It's everything's still up in there. My 20 year old's still trying to figure out her housing situation. So it's all going to be really interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my, honestly, a week ago, I figured I've a whole nother year. And so I was really busy with all my social activism stuff. And Tuesday morning, I woke up and went, whoa, Corinne, wake up. Right. What do you have right now? And I think that's the important thing is when people are looking, going back to our topic today of how we get out of this, we get so focused on the, how are we going to do that and what's going to happen and all the details and making plans. Like a lot of my clients like to make plans. They're overfunctioners. And so it's good to have a vision and then to let go of the grasp of how it's all going to come together. Because the thing I've learned is through this period of time, I, in August of 2019, did not have the brain ability to figure out how to do what I did in 2020. I wouldn't have known how to do it. There were so many times during this time that all of a sudden it became so clear and I turned right. Or sometimes I wasn't quite sure and I just took the next step forward and I was totally afraid and I didn't want to do it. And I just really wanted to crumble in a ball and not move forward, but I had to move forward. And then I took another step and I took another step and I was like, oh, well, this actually isn't so bad. So I just know that I can't figure out the how. I can figure out like, okay, kind of what's the vision of where I want to be and what is it that I hope for? So again, like with my daughters, I want them to be vibrant, you know, self-supporting women of themselves and on the other side of this and how their journey to get there may be very different than what my husband and I have experienced in college or the thousands of athletes that we've helped, you know, go through college but they're not going to have to be limited because their experience may be different than mine. That's how I figured out how to let go and move forward. And for me, you know, if you had told me this 10 years ago, I would have called BS on that because I was like such the queen of certainty. I had to know exactly the plan and what it was going to look like. And otherwise I'd have all this anxiety. And now I'm like, well, I didn't know how to get through 2020. And so far we're still standing. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I actually have the privilege of talking to some the baby boomers. And I've shifted my speaking on that to say, what's your new legacy you want to leave? Ooh. Right? How has this shifted or pivoted their legacy? It'll be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Because what does that look like for them? Is this their last hurrah or do they want to take it? Some of them are so tired. They're like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And some of them are like, absolutely not. I've got these people I've worked with for 40 years or whatever. Mm-hmm but whatever it means to them. I love that question because it just opens instead of like this, you know, collective, like kind of downbeating that we've all had, it kind of opens up. It's like, okay, what's your new legacy you want to leave? That's a yeah. great question. How do you want to leave this behind? I see so many posts out there saying, oh my gosh, five months only left in 2020. Thank God. You know, (laughs) you are wishing time away. Do you realize that? I mean, it might be not the best time, but we're wishing it away. And it's so interesting because isn't that the thing we coveted so much or that we'd still do is time? Yes. And then you think about the end of 2019 and, oh, hurrah, 2020 is going to be so great. 2020 is going to be so great. And here we are. So I'm not like thinking, oh, 2021 is going to be this magic bullet. It's going to be better. But I do like your question of what's your new legacy you want to leave? And I don't think of it's like a death. I think of it's like an opening of the brain of you get to decide, right? Maybe you're done and that's okay. And maybe you're like, hey, what can we shift? What can we pivot? 
And that makes me think of, you know, Ron Emanuel, he was former President Obama's former chief of staff, and he said, never let a good crisis go to waste. That statement has, Laura, helped me through so many dark days. I'm like, okay, it's a crisis. So instead of arguing that it shouldn't be happening, this is a crisis. What am I going to do with it? How am I going to lead? How am I going to show up? Opening that up and being able to, you know, play with it. It doesn't mean you have to have the answers. It's not a right answer. And do you get, you know, the ace gold star? It's about starting to being able to rumble and take those steps and test it out and go inside. Like you were talking about earlier about your self-awareness. Does this align, you know, with you and be in checking in with you, or is this kind of taking you off your path? But really, wouldn't you say that you have to always go in and check in with yourself? Absolutely. It has to be aligned with your values. Right. Mm-hmm. And your guiding principles and, and also your family and what's going on with your personal life too. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all intertwined. Our work and our personal lives are all intertwined, no matter how much we want to compartmentalize it. If you have an argument with a kid or a spouse, and then you go off to work, I mean, a lot of the work stuff I deal with is also what's the stuff that's happening at home. So we're humans, we're interconnected. Mm-hmm. And now technologically, we're even more interconnected at home. <laughs> so yes, as I'm standing in the exercise room for the best uh, bandwidth that we can get in the house. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. That, that's what we do. Well, Laura, <laughs> thank you so much for being brave and coming on and having this conversation with me. I really, really appreciate you. Well, thank you for allowing me to have a fun conversation. This has totally made my day. So thank you very much. I appreciate it too. Thank you. As I close up the show, one of the things that's really important, because I'm always about sustainability and integration and getting this in your bones and we can get so busy and it's like we fill up the space and we listen to the podcast. What I really invite you to do is what are one or two takeaways that you have from the show? Maybe it's a phrase. Maybe it's just a way of doing something. You know, maybe it's just the story that I had of my daughter, like her getting me to say yes in her university process of moving on out this fall. But what is it that you took away that you're going to say, hey, I'm going to work on integrating that life. I'm going to remember that. Maybe it helps you have that vision of hope of like, oh yeah, this is, I need to get to the other side of the tunnel. Like that visual for me is so huge through this. If when I think about how we get out of this is we just need to get to the other side of the tunnel. I don't know the path. I don't know the way. It may be a maze and that's okay because we'll get there. I trust that. So I invite you to jot down a takeaway, put it in your phone, send yourself an email, write it in a journal. What is a takeaway that you want to work on into integrating? And you may forget about it. That's realistically what's going to happen. And then one day when you're circling through, maybe you're going back and then you say, oh, yes, this is exactly what I need. And what I know is sometimes there's this synchronicity in life where the thing that you're very looking for shows back up again. All right, my friend, until next time, I'm smiling big for you. Hey there, before we go, I have a question for you. Have you subscribed to the show yet? This is an awesome opportunity for you to preserve your brain juice. I love the fact that I can subscribe to podcasts and television shows and they go straight to my iPhone or they go straight to my DVR and then I don't have to worry of, oh no, especially with television shows. Did I hit record? Is it going to be there? Or now do I have to watch it on demand and go through all the commercials? So 
go and hit the subscribe button. There's a link in the show notes and that will ensure you that you never miss a show and you can also save your brain juice for other things in your life. There's way more important things, but you and I will still be connected because the show will be waiting for you in your phone. Go to the link in the show notes, subscribe to the show so you can automatically get all the shows to your phone. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.